Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Hello, I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Today, our theme is Restart, Recover, Resilience, and you all know what that means. I'm joined once again by the dynamic duo of William, he lets me call him Bill Newman, North America Executive Industry Advisor at SAP, and Mike Latkovic is the Vice President at Capgemini and currently the North America Market Leader for Automotive Suppliers. Let me welcome each of you, and in case somebody doesn't remember all the wonderful things you do, Bill Newman, why don't you give a brief bio for yourself, and then we'll hear from Mike. Welcome, Bill. Hey, thanks, Bonnie. Good to be back with you, and uh, hello, listeners. Thanks for uh, joining us for Automotive Insiders. Um, Bill Newman here, 30-plus years in automotive and discrete uh, manufacturing, planes, trains, automobiles, and uh, in my role at uh, SAP, I work with um, executives to understand what their strategies are moving forward in terms of uh, what they want to do, their new business models, future capabilities. So very excited to join you once again for this program. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you, Bill. It's always a good conversation with you on board. You and I go way back years of Game Changers Radio at SAP, and I'm always happy to see you here on Automotive Insiders. And now let's get your partner here on this conversation. Mike Latkovic, say hello, and please introduce yourself again. Thanks, Bonnie. Good to be back with you. And Bill, of course, is always similar to my, uh, my colleague, Bill, 20-plus uh, years of consulting and discrete manufacturing uh, no trains, but lots of planes and many, many automobiles started in the uh, auto industry and continue to represent our, uh, our client base in the supplier arena. Uh, we uh, enjoy a pretty uh, healthy set of relationships in the supplier uh, market and are always excited and humbled to be part of helping them uh, deal with the level of disruption that they have. Uh, they have and of course, we now have the most recent pandemic that we'll be speaking about uh, today as well. Uh, but Capgemini as a whole is, is just really pleased to be part of the, uh, the automotive ecosystem and with a focus on suppliers as well. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to have you on as well. There's still a, a lot of forward motion in the industry, isn't there? We've, we've been all been waiting for that elusive, safe, self-driving car. And we talk about more options on the power grid for electric vehicles. And there's still there was so much that was on the table for conversation, wasn't there, Bill and, and, and Mike, before this hit? And now the question is just getting back, restarting, resilience, recovering, retooling, re-rolling. Uh, we, want, we want to see all that exciting stuff. People still love their cars and their vehicles. Bill, I know this is a little off topic, but why don't you and Mike comment and, and then I'll get, get back to our, uh, our agenda here. Bill? Well, no, it's very relevant. I mean, you know, as part of, you know, this recovery model, uh, building battery electric vehicle platforms is very capital and labor intensive. It is, it's, it, that's why there were a lot of partnerships that were, mm-hmm. you know, as Mike, you alluded to earlier that were coming out. And so a lot of that work is getting, um, is, is getting paused currently. 
interestingly, because of the capital outlay. Now, interestingly, and, and, and oh, by the way, in case you didn't notice, the whole rideshare economy is blown up right now. I mean, until until people are comfortable getting into a car that who, you know, they don't know who, where it's been and you know, all of that, that's, you know, I can only speak for North America marketplace. It's it's pretty much, you know, the Ubers and Lyfts of the world are delivering food and cargo now. Yep. Um, so interesting, though, the connected and autonomous uh, areas of most uh, large OE business and their supply chain are uh, getting a bit of a double click, though, on uh, connected and autonomous work, because as you deal with a situation where people are more akin or obliged to touchless concierge delivery or services or what have you, taking the driver out of the equation might actually be something that we want to get to sooner as opposed to later. It all comes down to cash outlay. And, you know, again, that was a topic that, that Mike, you touched on that we'll probably dive into a little bit. Mike, comments on this? What do you think? Moving forward, ideas and concepts and excitement in the industry. You seeing any of that yet? Absolutely. I don't think this virus stymied the innovation and excitement that we have as a group of consumers and all the neat things we've always wanted and think we're going to get. I don't think it stymied uh, certainly the American spirit for wanting our own vehicle and hitting the open roads. I don't think it stymied our uh, interest in personalization, customization, and that sense of ownership. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of research that suggests that this, to Bill's point, this may even reinvigor- reinvigorate that even more. And, uh, so this is all exciting moving forward. I mean, it really, there's no, there's no major, uh, I don't think, personal opinion, I don't think this is a major, uh, uh, major stoppage in perpetuity. I think it's a pause. Yeah, just, just, to, just to one more, just to echo on that one more and to give the listeners a little bit of uh, um, some material they can dive into. Um, the Experience Per Mile Consortium that was led by uh, Harmon uh, recently published their EPM 2030 outlook. And, and to Mike, your point, uh, long-term trends are, are even more double down. And, and this is the type of, of uh, drive transportation experience uh, consumers are looking and that uh, the industry will deliver. Um, again, I think just the near-term pause button on a few of those uh, investments um, are, is just simply prudent um, as, as we uh, return to a certain uh, growth pattern over the next, whatever that is, six to 12 months, hopefully. Yeah, and Bill, to that point, I mean, we were on a growth trajectory that I think will pick back up. But bear in mind that while this is all occurring, we are still on the forefront of introducing new manufacturing capabilities that we've been talking about for a long time and you're starting to really see some traction with 3D printing or additive manufacturing, um, different supply chain concepts. These are all still in front of us. And so when we think about compressing those product life cycles or new product introduction or higher forms of customization or maybe even major, major aftermarket constructs where you can sell a base vehicle but then go some, you know, go to the dealership to get all these, these new constructs, we're still on the front edge of that. Uh, and so the future is still very, very bright. This, the, the unknown is how fast can the consumer market get back to spending? 
Absolutely. Big question mark. Let, let's go to the business model part of this conversation. Uh, Bill, I know ERP is one of your favorite topics and you say compounding the complexity. He's wincing is are the, the remnants of plant-based ERP. And Bill says they simply cannot meet these needs or the need to adapt to new business models or acquisitions coming out of the COVID-19 crisis. We, we talked a little bit about this earlier. What, what do you think? What kind of ERP do they need? Well, I mean, you know, we we are we believe uh, at SAP that a enterprise-based approach is best. Uh, we believe that it offers the flexibility and agility that um, suppliers need to respond quickly to the changing marketplace. Uh, it it it's it's um, it's tough for us to watch our. Um, our colleagues who are in a situation where they aren't taking advantage of current technologies, you know, deal through, you know, work through the the massive spreadsheet consolidations at the end of every uh, month, quarter, year, um, have how to pull together their sales forecasts. It, it's 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 tough to watch. Um, obviously, you know that that takes an investment, but we do believe that um, as we are able to take advantage of cloud-based technologies and other best practices uh, in the industry that, uh, that those capabilities are much more in reach with um, large and mid-tier suppliers than they were 10, 5, even 2 years ago. So um, I, I think there's a real opportunity as people now are scanning the horizon as they're getting back to work, as they're beginning to recover to their production schedules, and they're looking ahead for different ways that they can build greater resiliency into their operations to to take some of these um, ideas that were on the shelf and pull them down and uh, have a fresh look at them given today's, um, today's technologies. I think there's a real opportunity for that. Thank you. Mike, join us. Thoughts, please. ERP. Well, a little bit of a consulting point of view. I think it depends on how you define the word enterprise. And that is going to be situational either by a company or even a department within a company. Um, but within the construct of a logical enterprise, we certainly agree with, with SAP that uh, we call it enterprise resource planning for a reason. And there are uh, typically... Uh, most predominantly, very strong financial business case to a level of uh, cohesive operations analysis, common supply chain, common accounts payable, AR, uh, indirect, sometimes direct procurement. Certainly, there's a strong business case for ERP. That's why it's such a large. Uh, that's why it's such a large and ubiquitous part of the global manufacturing construct. Um, having said that, there are some companies that do very well as a portfolio company where you may have different business units or businesses within that portfolio that operate in very different market segments with different product sets. And, and at times there can be a justification for you know, multiple versions of this, if you will. But within where we see within a common customer base, particularly when you see a common set of products, yes, we certainly agree that there are significant benefits to having a true enterprise uh, level of execution and within the, let's just be clear, within the automotive market supply base, some of the very large customers, some of the very large companies do have a distributed operating model. Uh, most don't. 
So when we think about the top 200 or top 300 suppliers in the world, of those, I would, you know, I would argue the large percentage of them, by definition, have a more, mm, a more concise operating model that would significantly benefit from um, having those kinds of cohesive operations and, uh, and cohesive planning. Thank you, Bill. Anything you want to say back to Mike before I move on? No, I think we've I think I think we've driven this. Other than um, analytics plays a huge role in this, and outbound looking at sentiment. So whether it's your employees, are they comfortable coming back to work? Are your suppliers comfortable shipping parts to you? Those are all new components as we look at what we do next to run our businesses. And it all needs to be wound into the discussion. So Bill and Mike, I have a a couple of sentences here that are going to pop a lot of buzzwords and uh, uh, cool stuff in all together. Let's wrap it up with a bow. And then we still have to cover the cash is king topic, Bill. So I didn't forget that at the end. I think everybody wants to hear that. So listen up, everybody. Global automotive suppliers need to, and here's where I'm going to put a lot of words in. They need to build resilience and they need to build fitness into the design, source, make, sell, and delivery process for vehicle parts. And not only is this a task, they have to ensure company-wide visibility. Everybody has to look at each other, no silos, real-time accuracy, no more spreadsheets at the end of the quarter or the end of the year, Bill said, and flexibility that they did not need before. Bill, this sounds like a Herculean task for forward-looking, strong, motivated, dedicated leadership. Is that what we're talking about here? Well, it certainly does need that leadership, and leadership needs to you know, start from the top and be supported by the folks that are, that are executing the business day by day, which typically is where the pain all lies. I mean, they're the ones that have to you know, work with outdated technologies and processes, and, you know, um, and, and, and really, that's, I think that is you know, our mantra is, is that as, as we go into this new age where we do have the opportunity to put fresh eyes on old problems at a new time. You know, what can we do to make things better given all of the changes that our employees have to deal with anyways, going back to work in this new environment? Can't we do, can't we do some things to make their, their lives a little bit easier and take some of the the work off their plate, whether it's through new technologies like robotic process automation. So I don't have to do basic accounting all the time. I'm rather just checking entries or um, some of the, some of, again, the consolidation pieces or having the flexibility to try new things uh, because, you know, we've got an HR policy that's more open to a multi-facility, multi-skills based uh, talent journey for our employees. I really do think that that's the, you know, again, with every risk and and inside chaos, there is opportunity. I truly do believe that that's the opportunity that lays before us. Mike, thoughts, please. Uh, I concur with Bill. Of course, uh, as partners in crime, we we share many, uh, many, many shared perspectives. Um, I think that as we as we proceed into this new space, um, we will continue to see, and I use the phrase, winners rise. Um, as we see some of the OEs making some restructuring during this time frame, uh, it is also the for those who have proper cash flow and capitalization, of course, we've got financial constraints. Now is a great time to introduce some of this restructuring. And 
the concept of we'll use the big you know term transformation the opportunity to make the leap from what we consider to be kind of a traditional operating model to one that we really truly believe will will last the next generation the next 15 to 20 years uh, of operating concepts now's a great time and the other you know sort of i guess plug back to our listeners would be the transformation is not nearly as hard as it used to be it's just not the capabilities have matured tremendously uh, i think as a general industry we've started to really for the most part adopt certain key best practices as kind of an operating norm and we've also for the most part uh, companies are agreeing that their differentiation what makes them excellent is actually only a fraction of their overall company and so we can start to more readily accept and adopt fairly typical ways of working and spend our time and energy focused on really what is going to help us win and really rise. And so when we look at some kind of classic MBA question, what is your business? And we, we really start to understand it is not necessarily our prototypical operations of how to run a company. It's product differentiation. It's our customer base. It's our innovation. It's uh, our supply chain, our agility. It's our customer commitment. And those are not embodied with transactional processes. Those are embodied in the people, the culture, and yes, some differentiated processes. So we would continue to encourage our listeners and our clients to focus on what makes you great and adopt some level of standardization on the things that probably don't. That is how you can cost effectively, enable transformation, and get your company to where you feel you need to be. Thank you. And that may be a moving target where you feel your company may need to be in this very dynamic market. Let's cover one more topic. And I'm dying to ask both of you about robotics. This is a good time for automotive OEs to invest in robotic RPA, robotic process automation. Bill's nodding his head. Uh, Bring in some specialized robotics to alleviate some of the questions of should people be on this production line? Maybe we can use them for something else, retrain the people and use robotics. Bill, are you seeing anything? Just We could just touch this briefly. Billy, what, what are you seeing or what do you suggest? Well, you know, with the, the, the protective uh, equipment that people have had to come in and use and kind of I don't know if I would call it unleaning, but basically some of the minor redesigns at the at the production level. Um, some of the examples that we've seen uh, do do involve some some tweaking, some repositioning, maybe some extra steps. I haven't seen, at least not yet, um, a a a full uh, or a hard uh, elimination of of uh, human assets at the production line. Mm-hmm. But I do think that where the opportunity is is in the is in artificial intelligence and robotic process automation, where there are certain mundane tasks, as I mentioned earlier, basic accounting, um, invoice reconciliation, sales order reconciliation, uh, in uh, resume matching, you know, for HR. I mean, there are some really great opportunities. And, and and not new technology, very proven technology that's been around for the last two, three, four years, where companies can begin to, um, again, 
make things a little easier, make things a little better for their employees who are coming back to work and you know, trying to uh, you know, hit the recovery um, uh, reset button here with these companies. Um, so I do think that that is, is predominantly, predominantly where, where the opportunities are. We'll have to kind of take a wait and see in terms of what the shop floor looks like. Um, there's going to be a lot of reluctance on the part of a number of OEMs to unlean their processes. And if that means that due to worker health and safety, additional automation needs to be introduced, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see where that goes. Uh, but I do think in the in the AI RPA spaces, uh, that's that's prime territory for improvements right now. Mike, what do you think? Agree or disagree with Bill? I'm probably a little bit more maybe bullish or optimistic um, than Bill in this regard. I think that RPA, and to your point, Bill, there are, at this point, fairly standard RPA opportunities uh, that uh, really, really should, and I know the word should is dangerous sometimes, but should be put into place because they are fairly ubiquitous. These are not necessarily new technologies, uh, but sometimes there's a hesitation to introduce something uh, with a potential feeling of loss of control. But but what it allows for is, again, to automate we're spending time and money on, on human activity that could be automated and allow that human activity to focus on better decision-making, more analysis, work with the AI, work with the technology, not necessarily always worried about being replaced by it. Uh, there definitely is shop floor automation uh, that the, the momentum is still there. Uh, there are obviously in the last you know generation, last 15, 20 years, there's been a lot of robots introduced on the floor, ro- robot, you know, welding, um, five axis, three axis machines that people are, again, the, the word ubiquitous. I mean, they're just out there now and they've, and they've evolved to a point where it's more of a science and less of an art because it's become so relatively commonplace. But that same construct is true for how we execute typical business functions, managing, identifying and managing late invoices identifying and, and managing your accounts, you know, accounts receivable and how can we automate that? Looking at where our biggest uh, profitability areas lie or profitability opportunities lie. I think these are things that very much could, and, and I'll use the dangers which should really be introduced. We are seeing uh, some great momentum in, in the market. Obviously right now, everything's been put on hold because of the virus, uh, but we are very bullish on this. We do think these are now becoming low-hanging fruit. I would, again, encourage our, our audience listeners, look into it. It's right It's right in front of you. Thank you, Mike. I'm going to wrap this up, put a bow around it, and the topic Bill wants to finish with is when cash is king, extending resilience and opportunity. Who's got the cash, Bill? Where is it? Talk to me. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think I think that there are a number of brands that that were able to tap their credit lines pretty early and pretty successfully, and uh, um, and in fact, uh, you know, there were a couple of transactions between suppliers that that got a little sticky there because you know they had to tap their their credit lines, and you know, who wants to buy a company and another billion, you know, five hundred. $500 million worth of credit that you have to accommodate for as a part of the transaction. But I think that the thing to watch, and it, and it came out in, in the most recent OESA uh, supplier survey, so listeners can um, be directed to, the, to their downloads to have a look at that. 
there's there's going to be there's going to be a couple of moments at the end of June end of July where some of the programs like the PPP programs um, are going to begin to expire or at least the funds will have run their course and as one individual has said you know we get paid 90 to 120 days out and we still have you know, accounts payable that are due in the next 30 days. So there's really going to be a gap window while people are running, getting this big machine that's called the automotive industry and getting their accounts and getting everything up and running to this big money flywheel working again. It's not just going to happen overnight. There's going to be about 60 to 90 days in there um, where bills will need to be paid and, and, you know, finance and controller folks are going to have to be pretty clever and astute in order to figure out how to uh, keep, keep the boat, keep the boat moving in the right direction without taking on too much water before all the uh, receivables start coming in. So that's, that's a big point to watch. Um, You know, we don't, we don't want to see some of our suppliers become the latest division of their customer. So it's, it's really good. um, It's a very good time to, to take care of things internally in that perspective. Thank you, Bill. Mike Lackvick, final word before we wrap up. What do you think about cash is king? Will it be? Should it be? How long can it be? Cash is absolutely king. And right now the consumers hold it and it needs to restart and it needs to start flowing like the wonderful currency uh, that it is. Uh, I think that uh, the OEs have done a, a bit of an opinion. I think they've done a good job trying to stabilize things in an extremely delicate situation. I think they've clearly tapped into their cash reserves. Uh, I think that we have seen the entire industry try to accommodate and support one another. Uh, we've seen you know rebalancing of payment terms. We've seen uh, deferred payments across the board from you know top to bottom. You've seen the the uh, major financing programs that some of them have, I think most now have put into place on on seven years, 0% APR on, uh, on some of these vehicles. I think what's very interesting is how that's going to, we know we've got to restart and, and, and get things going in the next you know, few months here. I'm very interested to see how that persists over the next 12 to 18 months, particularly when you look at the overall production forecast is kind of down and you're seeing these extremely extended payment terms how fast can this cash situation really recover? How long is it? How long is this going to be with us? And where? How does that flow down? I'm going to call it the constrained, the constrained capital. How long does that hold us back over the next six, 12, 18 months? Because ultimately, if cash isn't coming in, you're going to constrain how much you spend and where you put your capital. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Bill. Wrap up one sentence, Bill, of wishing well to your colleagues at OESA and in the industry. And then Mike will wrap up with you. And then I'm going to thank you both. And we'll say bye-bye for now. Bill, what's your final word? Well, I kind of felt like we left everyone with a bit of a bummer on that last, <laughs> on that last <laughs> conversation. So, so first of all, I just want to thank all of my colleagues in the automotive supplier space for, for really doing a great job and the kind people at OESA. I mean, these really are unprecedented times. The the things we do now will be the stories we tell our grandchildren in the years to come. So truly, it it, it is it is one for the history books. Um, you know, it, it's 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 not a time to take risk, but it is a time to look very plainly at how you want your business to look like. 
um, as we start to emerge from this. And I know this because our, our customers um, use these words with me. So I'm going to wish everybody well today. We're going to keep the conversation going. And again, thanks to you, Bonnie, and to Mike for another very uh, enthralling conversation today. It actually was an enthralling conversation. I wish we had another hour, but we don't. Mike Lakovic, final word. I can give you about 90 seconds. That's all. Excellent. Let me start by saying that our industry continues to burn bright. And to all of our colleagues and to all of our customers, keep it going. Keep people safe. The momentum we had hasn't gone. It's just on pause. The opportunity before us hasn't gone. It's right in front of us. Uh, we have a unique industry that I'll say is like none other. We are a family. You see that play out in, in how even, even competitors sometimes engage in sharing best practices because ultimately all of us know that all boats float with the high tide. And it is remarkable to see the passion and energy and innovation and humility and compassion that has come out in all of these trying times with an understanding that we're all trying to get back to work, we're all trying to take care of our families, and we're all trying to sell more cars. Bravo. Thank you for ending on a high note, both of you. I want to do a shout out to Adam Slayman and April Buford and Julie Freem at OESA. Anybody want more information about this wonderful organization? OESA.org. That's OESA.org. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off and thank you to our friends at Voice America, the business channel for getting us the opportunity to record this wonderful conversation. Be well, be smart, stay safe, and find something fun to drive when you finally get out of that driveway in that garage. My car is saying, take me for a ride. I need exercise. Everybody have a great day. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Thank you, Bill Newman. Thank you, Mike Lakovic. Talk to you soon again. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.